0: You have reached Road Talk. Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 9:45 on Sunday mornings and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at Well, I want to welcome you back to Road Talk and Navigating Your Journey. I hope that you are having a great day. My name is Jacob Hawk, the Young Adults Minister at Pressing Crest and the host of this podcast. We are currently in a series that I have entitled Bumper Sticker Theology. That title may make you wonder, well, what in the world is that about? And it's pretty simple. We hear a lot of things in life that just sound biblical. I mean, you would think they would be bound within the pages of the Bible, but then when we open the Bible up and take a deep dive, we realize, man, these things aren't in there at all. And so many people hear these statements, they hear these little cliches, bumper sticker type of teachings, and they think that by listening to them and putting them into practice, well, they are following God. But they could not be any further away from the truth. And this is episode 52 today of Road Talk, actually the third lesson in this series. First of all, With this being episode 52, that officially means we have an entire year's worth of material as we try to release a new episode at least once a week. So if you have been listening to Road Talk for the past year, actually the last 14 months, I want to thank you for your commitment to listening to this podcast. We want to see this podcast grow, so if you will, please share this podcast, encourage others to subscribe, and listen to these episodes every week. Well, today we're going to get going with the third bumper sticker in this series, Bumper Sticker Theology. Have you ever heard someone say, God just wants me? to be happy God just wants me to be happy Sure you've heard people say that but is it true I mean many people think that it is and by the sound of it we serve a god who isn't cruel it would make sense to think that god does want us to be happy but it's not in the bible at all And we see this ideology manifested in so many ways in our society. Do you remember a few years ago when Bruce Jenner decided to transform to become Caitlyn Jenner? Now, set apart from the theological issues with that and biological issues with that, that decision, praised by some, abhorred by several, that decision was driven by this desire to just be happy, that my happiness is more important than anything else. People watch their lives fall apart. People watch their families destroyed. People enter into adulterous relationships because of this same decision. I just want to be happy. Kim Kardashian is known to be One who can be married for the least amount of time. A few years ago, Kim Kardashian was only married for 72 days. I mean, that is shorter than a third grader's Little League baseball season. 72 days. She got married and then she got divorced based on that same reason. I just want to be happy. And life is too short to be miserable. So many decisions, most of them bad decisions, are driven by that sentiment that God just wants me to be happy, even though God on numerous occasions has clearly spoken out against the decisions that have been made. So if it's not true that God wants me to be happy, what does the Bible teach? Well, I would recommend this biblical ideology. God does not want me to be happy. God wants me to be holy. Now, there's a big difference between happiness and holiness. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. Happiness is built on circumstances. Joy is built on conviction. But in this episode today, we're going to focus on the difference between happiness and in holiness. The word holy means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be different. God never says in the Bible I want you to be happy, but he does say 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 through 16, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Peter's not the only one who speaks of God's desire for us to be holy. In fact, God says it numerous times, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But one passage that I want us to kind of dissect together in this episode is Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Colossae. Now some beginning points about this passage before we get too deep into its teaching. Paul begins with a therefore, as he often does in his writings. And as I tell people when I teach classes, and probably as you've heard before, whenever you come across a therefore in the biblical text, you need to stop and you need to figure out what it's there for. And in verse 1 of that chapter, Paul reminded the church at Colossae that they had been raised with Christ. So they should set their hearts and their minds on things above. So when we get down to verse 12, which I read just a second ago, that therefore is made in light of how Paul began the chapter. Since you have been raised with Christ, since you are going to set your minds on things which are above, this is how you need to live. And Paul reminds them that they were chosen, that they were chosen holy. Anyone who is in Christ has been chosen, and people who say that we cannot be holy don't understand that the Bible refers to chosen, baptized believers as holy saints. They were holy because they were in Christ. My heart breaks for Christians who live their entire life thinking that they will never achieve holiness well, holiness is not something you achieve. Holiness is something you are because of the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. Paul tells the church at Colossae that they were chosen and they were holy. So he says, here's what you need to clothe yourself with, these virtues in your lives. The first one is compassion. How would you define compassion. We've all known compassionate people. Why did we believe that they were compassionate? Well, it's a word which technically means to have pity. I think a better definition is someone who sees a need in someone else's life and then they do something to help. They don't just see the need and say, wow, that's a shame Now, compassionate people, they go the extra mile. They do something to help. This was the life of Jesus. On occasion, Jesus would come across lepers in the New Testament, and the Bible will say that when he saw these lepers, he was moved by compassion. So what did Jesus do? He healed them. He gave them a new life. He did not say, man, leprosy must be terrible and go the other direction. No, Jesus did something to solve that problem. On another occasion, the Bible says that Jesus saw the people, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. So what did Jesus do? Well, according to Jesus, John chapter 10, he became the good shepherd. He said, these people need a leader. I will be their leader. That's the story of the Good Samaritan, that little parable told by Jesus, about the Samaritan who actually did something to help the Jewish man who is in trouble. The Levite walked by, the priest walked by. They both saw that there was a problem, but they kept on walking. As Jesus tells the parable, the Samaritan stops, bandages the man's wounds, takes him to a hotel, pays for his night's stay, returns to check on him. And this entire parable was told because a lawyer asked the question, "'Who's my neighbor?' The lawyer wanted to know, am I checking all the boxes of my faith? And at the end of the parable, Jesus asked the question, back to the lawyer, well, which one do you think was the neighbor? And the lawyer said, the one who had mercy or the one who had compassion. And Jesus said, you need to go and you need to do likewise. The question is, do we do this? When we see a brother who is in need, do we actually do something to help? I've been on Wilderness Trek four times in my life, which is a trip taken by many youth groups where you climb a mountain in Colorado. You were on the mountain for seven days, six nights. You cook your own food. You sleep on the ground. You use the bathroom in the woods. It's not exactly a relaxing vacation. For his 50th birthday, my dad decided to go with me on trek. Well, he did not decide. He was actually kind of forced because I begged him to go with me. On one of the days of Wilderness Trek, you spend three hours in solo time where you go off by yourself and spend time with God, and you're supposed to find a place just for you. And on that year, it was the time to go off for our solo time, and my dad saw a place kind of on a ridge under some trees. But to get to that place, he had to cross this fast-moving stream of water, which, when you're at 10,000 feet, is melted snow. He was trying to cross this little stream, and he was walking across a log, and he slipped, and he fell down in the stream, and his foot got caught under that log. So that cold mountain water was just running over his shoulders, and through his ears. Luckily, it was a very shallow stream, so his life was not in danger. But one of the sweet ladies on the trip came by, saw my dad lying down at the bottom of the stream with this freezing cold water coming over him with his foot caught under the log, and she asked him, Danny, do you need some help? And if you know my dad, he's always the jokester, has a great sense of humor, and he replied, no, Becky, I'm fine. This is the place that I chose to spend three hours from my solo time. Of course I need some help. Who would sit here in their right mind? Luckily, Becky was full of compassion and helped him get out of that cold, freezing water. But do you hear Paul's point? If we're going to be holy as God is holy, we have to be compassionate. And compassion doesn't just see a problem. Compassion does something to help. That next virtue on the list is kindness. How would you define kindness? That one's even harder to define than compassion. On occasion, kindness can be translated as goodness or mercy. It's an action word, just like compassion. Paul writes to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that God's kindness is what leads us toward repentance. That's incredibly important terminology. God's kindness leads people to repentance. If God's kindness leads us to do something, what can our kindness lead other people to do? Certainly aid in the process of leading people to Christ. Well, let's get down to that next word of gentleness. If you're looking at the text, you might say, wait a minute, you skipped over humility. Well, I'm not skipping over it. Because humility and gentleness, they're pretty much identical in meaning. Your translation might translate gentleness as meekness, which we often call power under control. You can't be humble if you aren't gentle, and you can't be gentle if you aren't humble. The word in Colossians 3.13 for gentleness literally means not being overly impressed by one's importance. Listen to that again. You're not overly impressed by one's importance. Do you see what I mean about it being similar to humility? You've probably heard people say before that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Well, gentleness is the same idea. How can any of us think higher of ourselves than we should and be holy? That's not what Jesus did. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that even though Jesus was in the very nature of God, he humbled himself. He came to earth. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Unfortunately, so many Christians, church leaders, people of faith will often think, you know, the church can't go on without me, or I'm the only one who has any good ideas. I'm the only one who has been gifted in this way to this extent. We can't be that way and be holy. Paul says we should clothe ourselves with patience. Patience, man, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard for preachers, too. You've probably heard the old story about a man who got up on a Sunday morning and he was sitting at the kitchen table, eating breakfast, eating his cereal, and they were running late for church, and his wife kept saying, honey, you need to hurry, you need to hurry, you need to hurry, and he kept getting annoyed with her telling him to hurry up, and finally he said, just give me two reasons why I need to go to church this morning. She said, well, number one, you need to go to church because God asked you to, and number two, you need to go to church because you're the preacher. Yeah, even preachers kind of get fed up with people at times. Don't you know that God has to get fed up with us? Of course he does. Time and time again, we do the wrong thing. But the Lord is patient with us. He's probably patience to a fault. Peter says that he is so patient, he does not want any to be destroyed, but all to come to repentance. Repentance. And finally, Paul says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. People often think I don't have to forgive them because they haven't changed yet. Well, let me ask you a question. Since you became a Christian, have you completely changed everything in your life? I know I haven't. Do you believe God's forgiven you? I believe that he has, and I can rest in the grace and the greatness of God. Yes, it is much safer to forgive too much than to forgive too little. And all of these things play a big part in us being holy. Now some will say, and you might be one of them, well that's just not right. God does want us to be happy. And again, as I said at the beginning, we don't serve a cruel God. Some scriptures discuss our happiness, such as Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12, when Solomon says, I know that there is nothing better for men to be happy and to do good while they live. Or what James wrote in James five thirteen is anyone happy, let him sing songs of praise. So how do we balance this argument that God doesn't want us to be happy when scripture mentions our happiness? Please hear me say, God isn't against you being happy in the sense that He doesn't want you to be miserable. Jesus says that we have abundant life through Him. Abundant life is just as much about life here on earth as it will be in heaven. God has placed us on this beautiful planet with changing seasons. He's brought us into His kingdom, His church. He's created marriage. He's given us family. He's given us children, which are a joy, a blessing from the Lord, what God detests is people compromising his will or biblical teachings just so they can be happy. That's when holiness trumps happiness. And think about that verse I read just a moment ago from Ecclesiastes 3.12 when Solomon says, I know that there's nothing better for men to be happy and to do good while they live. Well, Solomon also flipped to the other side of that coin because on so many occasions, Solomon pursued the type of happiness that was against God's will. And that's when he picked up the pen toward the end of his life, and he wrote, Meaningless, meaningless. Life is meaningless. And you know, in some passages, when we find the word happy, it just might be translated a, a different way. In John 13, 17, once Jesus washed the apostles' feet... After stressing the importance of being a servant, Jesus said, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed, or you will be happy if you do them. When Jesus gives the Beatitudes, when he uses the word blessed, it could also be translated as happy. Or James one twenty five, James, the brother of Jesus, writes, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, He will be blessed. He will be happy in what he does. Here's the thing. If we are holy, the right type of happiness will come. If we are holy, the right type of happiness will come. But being holy, it can be hard. Are you compassionate? Are you kind? Are you gentle? Are you patient? Are you forgiving? You see your holiness is much more than what church you go to and it's much more than how often you attend. It's about living a life of compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and sanctification. It's about living a life that wants nothing more than to please God. I think the writer of Hebrews said it best in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. He said, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that is as black and white as it gets. Without holiness, we will not see God. And without compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, patience, and love. We can't be holy. God does not want you to be happy in the sense of earthly happiness. God wants you. And he wants me. And he wants all of us to be holy. I hope you have a great day. And as always, I encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven. God bless, and we will talk to you next time.